Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning, and how many of us have heard or maybe even said, somebody ought to do something about that? Somebody ought to do something about that. It's typically when there is a major situation, it uh, uh, affects, affronts us with our value system, the dignity of life, and it's somebody ought to do something about that. And when we look around, our world and maybe even in our own thoughts seem rife with chaos, discord, violence, and disasters. And it can be paralyzing to think about the level of need that exists in the world. Yes, somebody ought to do something about that. And yet the voice of doubt may raise in our head, and we may begin to question the difference that one person can make in the world. Well, Brad Aronson, author of this month's featured book, Humankind, Changing the World One Small Act at a Time, reassures us that everyday people who focus on the difference that they can make through acts of kindness do change lives and oftentimes save them. He says that these everyday sheroes and heroes don't just hope the world will get better. They make a conscious choice to make it better. It's the role of a lifetime that they've chosen to play. He tells us that this book was inspired by an outpouring of kindness that from friends and family and even complete strangers shared throughout a two and a half year experience when Brad and Mia, his wife, uh, was undergoing treatment for leukemia. It was a two and a half year period that included a month long inpatient treatment for Mia, and their entire life was uprooted. Yet, the generosity of spirit inspired Brad to write the book about the people who rescued his family from this challenging time in life, and often with the smallest gestures. Maybe it was a simple note of support by individuals they barely knew, or it was meals dropped off by family and friends, or a team of volunteer chauffeurs to ensure that their young son's routine remained the same so that it did not disrupt his daily activities, and family members offering to move in to the house and help keep everything running during Mia's inpatient treatment. All of these acts of kindness inspired Brad to write this book, but he didn't stop there. The other thing he noticed was that in the media, 
we don't read about all these acts of kindness that he and his family were experiencing. The media seems to be filled with the negative. And so he began to seek out other people's stories as a way to counterbalance the overwhelming negative emphasis by media outlets. And so in the time we share together today, we'll explore three specific ways we can become a kinder version of ourselves. First, we'll look at small acts of kindness is putting love into action. We'll next look at actually making a conscious choice to be the presence of kindness no matter what. And then how can we leverage the impact of our act of kindness? And many of us are familiar with Anne Frank, the young uh, individual who wrote the the diary of Anne Frank. She is a Holocaust victim. And one of the quotes from her book is, how wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. So let's get beyond somebody ought to do something about that. And let's begin exploring our adventure of how we can improve the world right now with one small act of kindness at a time. So are we ready to get started? Yes. Awesome. All right, so let's get started with small acts of kindness, putting love in action. Many of us receive the 365 Science of Mind e-zine that goes out every day. And if you received yours today, there is a perfect quote that ties in with today's message. And it's from This Thing Called You by Ernest Holmes. And he explains the unified nature of all things. What he says is, there is but one presence in the universe. Since it is in and through everything, it must be in and through each of us. This presence manifests itself in and through all forms all people, all conditions. This presence is life itself. Its nature is love and givingness. So of the many forms of love, one is a simple decision to make the effort to help someone's life be easier, to make a seemingly small act of kindness. Now, in our book, the author shares many, many different examples. However, I would like to share with you how I know this to be absolutely true in my life. Several decades ago, I was pursuing a love interest. I met a young man in Minneapolis early summer, and by late fall, he shared with me that he was accepting a visiting professorship in the economics department of Brown University, and he was moving to Providence, Rhode Island. Well, being the eternal optimist, I was like, oh, well, I have friends in Boston, and I know I can get a part-time job, and, you know, if we're really going to look at whether this relationship is going to be meaningful and long-term or not, I'll move to Boston. Well, let's just say that there I was in my studio apartment on Marlborough Street in the historic Back Bay District of Boston, and by December, 
that relationship was in a rubble pile. And I was feeling not only miserable, I was feeling forlorn. I was in a massive metropolitan area where I knew very few people. I was missing my friends back in Minneapolis. I was feeling like a really big fool for pursuing this relationship. And in the midst of all of this beating myself up, I came home from work one night and on my apartment door was a, an attempt to deliver package notice from the U.S. postal system. Well, now, when I moved, I didn't really tell family members and friends my new address. So I was kind of like, I can't imagine who's sending me anything. Well, I'm in the back bay of Boston. I don't know where the post office is. It's just this massive, huge metropolitan area teeming with people everywhere. Well, a dear co co-worker said, Marilyn, I'll go with you. And so I take my little notice from the post office and I go to the post office. And of course, it's the holidays. It's a major metropolitan area. There are snake lines of people waiting to get to the counter. So I get in line and I wait my turn. And when I get to the counter, there's this rather grumpy, grumpy, I would say old man. And I put my notice across and I said, I'm here to pick up a package. You know, I'm all excited. A package? I'm feeling forlorn. Somebody's remembering me. And he kind of looks at me and he takes the notice and he shuffles off to what appeared to be this massive cavernous place in the back of this post office. And then he shuffles, it seemed like an interminably long time, but he shuffles back and he has this mangled, now when I say mangled, I mean mangled box. And he shoves it at me. And I just looked at him and I went, are you sure? And he goes, here's the address, here's the notice, this is your package. I was kind of like, you know, there's a big long line behind me. So I took my package. My friend and I went over to, you know, those tall stands that are in the lobby of the post office. They typically have marble pillars and granite tops. And I'm standing there and I'm going, who could possibly have sent a package to me? I couldn't read the address because it was all mangled. And so I opened it up and there was a note inside and it was from my sister. She said, thinking of you this holiday season, in the box were mangled, crumpled, homemade sugar cookies. And I started crying. There I am, all these people, and I'm standing in the middle of this Boston post office, tears streaming down my face, and all I could say was, my sister sent me cookies. This small act of kindness is started a tradition because, I mean, I moved back to Minneapolis and then it started that every holiday season I received a package of holiday Christmas cookies. And I'm telling you, she makes the best sugar cookies ever. They're all frosted. They're all different shapes, all different sizes. But it was that small 
act of kindness decades ago that it was just enough at a time when I was feeling so forlorn that it gave me hope and it shifted my perspective and suddenly I saw a whole different way out. It was an act that someone cared. And that's all I needed to know. Someone cared. I could get beyond this disaster of a relationship. I could get myself out of this situation I'd put myself in. It was a small act of kindness, a box of sugar cookies that were so mangled by the time they arrived to me, but it didn't matter. It was the act that counted. So what our author shares with us is that it really doesn't matter how small the act. When individuals are in the middle of a crisis or downturn in their life, emotions tend to be very, very high, and the simplest kind act can make all the difference. So I'd like us to consider what small act of kindness can we do to put love in action? What small act of kindness can we do to put love in action to help someone over the hurdle of a challenging time? If we're looking at the role of a lifetime, this is an opportunity for us to put love in action. And it's very important that we remember, do what we can, and it's enough. My sister sent me cookies. Second, be the presence of kindness, no matter what. It's been said, unkindness is not an attack it's a call for love. And it's important for us to remember that energy is like a currency in the universe. When we pay attention to something, we are literally buying that experience. And so science of mind teaches us that life is forever flowing into everything, through everything. It passes into every human event and translates itself through every human act. Therefore, when we allow our consciousness to focus on something or someone that annoys us, we are feeding it our energy, and guess what? The law reciprocates by amplifying the experience we attract into our experience more things to be annoyed about. It keeps the energy alive not only in ourself, but it also contributes to the collective consciousness. So imagine, we are surrounded by the law of mind, the law of good, the law of life, however you want to refer to it, and its chief characteristic is that it responds to us and acts upon our thoughts. So by choosing to be kind and respectful in circumstances that might entice us to match unkindness with unkindness, it is a choice of giving the law 
a life-affirming direction. It's a choice to call the in, the healing power of love. In essence, we're holding up a great big sign to the universe saying, yes, more, please, to kindness. In essence, we're giving direction to the universe with the experience we want to have. And so if we're looking at the role of a lifetime, it's important to remember that our job is to choose that which we wish to experience. So I'm encouraging each of us to experiment with being, you know, we hear about designated drivers in the holiday. Be the designated person to fulfill the most important role, and that is to simply remain peaceful and calm when everyone around us is losing their cool. Be the designated person for remembering the presence of God when circumstances might lure us to be otherwise. And our author has some suggestions for us to help us make better choices in those times when we rationalize doing or saying something that we may decide a bit later we're not proud of. Any of us have had that experience? We're in the heat of the moment. We've said something or done something. And then later we come back and say, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Well, our author has some tips for us. He says, assume that the entire world will know every decision in your life. So just imagine every decision you make, assume that the entire world knows about it, because in essence, everyone around you does know, because our outer world is a reflection of the choices we've made. Another suggestion he makes is, imagine that your choice will appear on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. How would you feel about the choice you made when responding to an act of unkindness? He said, also imagine that all of your family, friends, and community will know the choice you've made. How would we feel to have those closest to us see a choice of matching unkindness with unkindness. So let us always remember that in everything we do, we are setting an example by the way we live. Let us remember our true nature, which is kindness and love, because we are of spirit. Spirit is love. And so therefore, our true nature is love and givingness. And so let us remember to make a conscious choice to be the presence of kindness no matter what. Because the choice we are making is literally cutting a path into, into tomorrow that others will follow. And so once again, if we do what we can, it's enough because we're acting from our true nature of kindness and love. And that's enough. And so third, leveraging our impact. 
Our author has so many different suggestions of how we can take a small amount and leverage it. And uh, sometimes our question might be, what, how can I make a difference when it seems that the problem is too complicated to solve? The issue seems so vast. It could be domestic violence. It could be homelessness. It could be immigration or famine or social justice or global warming or any number of situations we currently see in our world. It seems so vast that we may question, how can I make a positive contribution? And our natural human tendency, when we're feeling overwhelmed, is our default behavior, which is the easiest, which is do nothing. And so our author says, when it comes to caring for others, don't underestimate the power of the most modest investment. There's nothing modest about the results. And he has many, many different examples, and I would like to share with you one that I experienced back in Minneapolis. Last week, I mentioned that mid-management trainee position where my heart sort of cried the whole way through. There was one assignment I had where I thrived, where I just prospered, and that was when the um, corporate social responsibility activities of this Fortune 100 company came upon the United Way campaign. The corporation supported United Ways in many ways, but one of them was that they loaned an employee to be a loaned executive. Well, what a loaned executive does is literally goes out and collects contributions to United Way. I was assigned to the legal division. And when I met with the account manager, the United Way account manager, she was going over all of the accounts that I was assigned. And I was talking with major, huge, massive law firms in downtown Minneapolis. And she said, as she was reviewing them, she said, uh, we're anticipating a decline in the contribution from this law firm because they are being um, picketed for their legal activities in South Africa. This was at a time when there was a lot of anti-apartheid demonstrations. And she said they've lost significant business and we're anticipating a decline in the contribution from this law firm. I said, okay. So on the day that I met with the partner who was designated as the point person within the organization to run the United Way campaign, he said, well, as you know, we've had significant loss in business and the partners simply cannot contribute at the level we've been contributing in the past. And I said, oh, I understand. And so he seemed like, okay, end of meeting. And I said, well, I said, well what about the staff? And he said, oh, we couldn't ask them to contribute. And I was like, I said, well, said, may I offer a different perspective? And he said, yes. And I said, well, for what reason would individuals not be given an opportunity to contribute to the well-being of their community? I said, would it be okay? Would you be open and willing to at least allow them the opportunity to make that choice? And I said, and what if with all the staff contributing, 
The donations not only met but exceeded previous levels, which means the firm receives positive press for being an active member in the community and supporting the community. Well, I think it was the positive press piece. Anyway, he said yes. Well, I had my foot in the door, so I was like, okay, we're going for it. So I thought, now, how do you make a contribution meaningful? Because the focus of United Way that year was on providing shelters for women and children experiencing domestic violence. And so I thought, okay, so how do I make this meaningful to staff, predominantly women? And so in my presentation, I shared the goals of the United Way campaign, and I said, for the cost of a pair of pantyhose per paycheck, this is what can happen. And I listed all the different outcomes. For the cost of a pair of pantyhose per paycheck, now, at that time, pantyhose was maybe $2.50. They're way more now, but, you know, um, it was maybe $2.50. Net-net, the firm not only met their previous giving record, they exceeded it. Yes, they did receive positive press. More importantly, the staff was given the opportunity to contribute to the well-being of the community, and United Way had the funds to contribute to the overall goal of um, putting services available to cease domestic violence for women and children. So it's back to what our author was saying. Never underestimate the power of a small contribution. In this case, it was the, the cost of a pair of pantyhose per paycheck. So we can leverage, we can leverage our contributions by coming together in meaningful ways. And the author has several different organizations where we can make a contribution. We can even look at our own Science of Mind Foundation that is at Centers for Spiritual Living that has all kinds of activities to help promote a world that works for everyone. So in this case, our author is giving us great advice. That is, don't ever underestimate a small contribution because it does make a difference. So let's review our exploration of making a difference, changing the world one heart at a time. One, always remember a small act of kindness can show someone cares and is often all that we ever need to find strength to keep going. Let us remember a small act of kindness puts love in action it's a role we can choose to play. My sister sent me cookies. Secondly, we can choose to be the designated person who remembers the presence of God when everyone around us is losing their cool. We can choose the role that cuts a path of kindness into tomorrow that shows others how to make a different choice. It's a currency that buys big-time rewards for ourselves and for the collective consciousness. And third, 
Remember to look for opportunities to leverage your investment. Remember, there's power in a modest investment, including the cost of a pair of pantyhose per paycheck. So let us all make a conscious choice to be somebody that is doing something to spread more kindness. And I like the quote by Arthur Ashe. He's a tennis hall of famer. And he's one of his famous quotes is, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And so when choosing acts of kindness, when we're coming from our authentic self, that self that is love, that is givingness, just know it's enough. It's enough. Let us pray. Oh, as we breathe the gift of life, recognizing that one power and that one presence, that presence that is love, that presence that is the all of all that is seen and all that is unseen. It is the eternal givingness of itself to itself in the form of its creation. It is that energy that flows in, through, and as all things. It is life itself, and I am of it. I am literally a center point in the mind of God. My life is an activity in the mind of God. And as it is true of me, I know it to be the truth of each person who hears this message, that life is flowing in, through, and as each person. And its nature is love and givingness. So I claim and affirm and I speak my word for and about each person that there is an awareness that an individual act of kindness is putting love into action. That it can be that one thing that springs hope eternal for someone who is feeling forlorn. It could be a box of cookies. And I claim and affirm that in all situations where unkindness is being expressed, that there is a conscious choice to meet it with kindness, to remember the presence of God and to be that designated person of kindness in action. I claim and affirm that this choice allows each person to cut a new path where kindness is the way and shows others a different way of being. And I claim and affirm that each person seeks opportunities to leverage a modest investment, knowing that collectively a movement in the same direction can have a profound impact. And I claim and affirm that in all of this, the kindness is a currency that buys big-time rewards. And so I am so grateful for the truth that God is all there is. God is expressing in, through, and as all life. 
and that kindness prevails. I place my word into the activity and action of the law, knowing that the law, its main characteristic, is that it responds to the word. And so knowing this, relying on this, having absolute confidence in the law, I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here. On behalf of the Portland Center for Spiritual Living, I receive these gifts knowing that as we pay our bills, as we support other community organizations, as we tithe, these gifts go out into the world with loving kindness, creating a world that works for everyone. I claim it good. I claim it very good. And together we say, and so it is. Okay, so this holiday season, it might be that you too are in a situation where you're feeling forlorn or um, forgotten or just having a challenging time. Whatever the situation is, the ecclesiastical team is here to provide prayer support. Make our day ask us to pray. We do love it. So if you're here in the sanctuary, we have our ministry of prayer table. You can fill out a prayer card and place it in the prayer box. Our licensed practitioner, that's Kathy Batten, that's been holding high watch, um, takes those, types them in and sends them out to our ecclesiastical team. For everyone who is online, you too have that opportunity to submit a prayer request. Go to our webpage, cslportland.org. Scroll all the way down. There's a button that says submit a prayer request. Click on the button, type in your prayer request, and it automatically goes to the entire ecclesiastical team. And we do pray for an entire week on your request. So know that we are here to support you in prayer. If there's a situation that requires possibly uh, scheduling a practitioner session, uh, those are hour-long sessions, and each practitioner has their own uh, fee scale, be sure to reach out because, again, principle is always at work. And principle is always an expansion of good. So allow us to support you in that expansion of good. I think the word was abundance. And so know that the universe is abundance. And so for now, let's stand. And if you feel comfortable, uh, we can join hands. Okay, and let's affirm together. Something wonderful is flowing through me right now. It is this thing called life. Life is in my mind. Life is in my body. And life is in my affairs. I think it. I feel it. I am it. And so let us go within to that place, that altar of the Most High, that place within where the presence and perfection of spirit always resides, and know that if ever we are feeling alone, the truth, we are love, we are loving, and we are loved. And so it is. So it is. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. 
The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.